0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, the GSD conference is two weeks away. You do not want to miss it. If you have never been to an Uncharted online conference, you just, you don't realize how different this is from everything else that's out there. I am not getting, I am not making this up. I promise you, you have never been to an event that feels more like a live event unless you count live events, but don't count live events, not counting live events. There is no other event that you have been to that feels as live as our conferences, the GSG conference. We have fantastic stuff going on. We've got, uh, I'm doing a workshop. Um, Stephanie Goss is doing a workshop. Peter Weinstein's doing a workshop. Uh, Jen Galvin's doing a workshop. Tristan's doing a, uh, a workshop. Uh, Dr. Tierra Price is doing a workshop, like the list goes on and on. We have amazing people and our workshops are workshops. You come in and you get to work on your practice. It's not you sitting and people talking at you. The goal of GSD, a goal of all the Uncharted conferences, is for you to actually get the things that you need in your practice. And that's what we do. Guys, I built Uncharted. The goal of Uncharted was always that it would be a conference, it would be a group, it'd be a community that pays for itself, which means if you come to GSD and you're like that wasn't that great and that wasn't worth the money I'll give you your money back I am not kidding um, I am 100% serious that is the goal that I set for us If you're not 100% happy 100 satisfied with with uh, with the GSD conference just let me know. And, uh, and we make that very easy, and we'll, you'll absolutely get a refund. I only want to do this in a way that is uh, meaningful for people to do it. You will not be disappointed. Head over to UnchartedBet.com, get your spot. It's only two weeks left. You don't want to miss this. And with that, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. ...story... <laughs> And we are back. It's me and Stephanie hit the road, Jack Goss. <laughs> Coming in on possibly the shortest episode we have ever done. Oh
1: this, God,
0: this sounds like a slam dunk. Like I could uh I could take this one while I'm waiting for my Uber to arrive. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
1: This is a good one. So uh, we have a letter from the mailbag. um, And this one says, "Um, hello, Dr. Rourke. I'm not uh, sure if you guys deal with these types of emails, but uh, I look up to you so highly when it comes to clinic management. So I'm hoping that you might be able to offer me some solutions. I'm currently working at a high volume spay neuter clinic that services those of low income households. I'm super passionate about the mission we're trying to complete, but um, in my experience, it is coming at the cost of the staff's happiness and sometimes their rights as employees in order to reach uh, the goal. I found myself in a position where I'm trying to come up with a plan to help support and protect my fellow teammates from a management team that crosses boundaries on a daily basis. Our turnover rate is atrocious, morale doesn't exist anymore. And there have been countless instances where disrespect is being handed out to us like candy. Uh, so many of these times, uh, the issues or concerns have been brought to the management only to be ignored or to be told that it's us that's the problem and not what is truly causing the issue. Employee rights are taking a back seat, and management seems to think that they are doing no wrong. Is there any guidance that you can lend me to, uh, uh, in terms of? what I could be doing to handle this in the most professional and constructive way.
0: Yeah. All right. So this is a good one. And honestly, I'm glad this is here. Um, we, we have in the past kind of we just haven't, I don't know if we've actually gotten a, a, such a well articulated um, question where they really captured the feeling of this is, this is hopeless. You know what I mean? Um, this is, we are just getting ground down. And then I love the phrase, how do I protect the rest of the staff. And I do feel like there's a lot of people who see themselves in that role of, if mm-hmm. I leave, life will be worse for other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I love that, that some of the phrases in this email I have heard so many times. It's why I just wanted to grab it. I also think that over the years that you and I have done this, we have we have generally talked about how to pull these wins out, you know, It's like, how do you fix this? How do you navigate this? And I think I've always, I I am a perpetual optimist. You, you know, that everybody who listens knows like I see the silver lining. I see opportunity. I think that life is good because I I really want to think that life is good. Um, I think it's very, very, very important that, uh, we do say, and I hope I've said this in the past, but I hope it's, I think it's very, very important. We say there's sometimes you can't, you can't fix it. You can't, Uh, the, the correct, uh, choice is save yourself, yep. like li- live, to fight another day. And that, yep. especially when you talk about burnout, we talk about depression, things like that. Sometimes the, uh, the a hundred percent, the, the, um, the right call is look around at the flaming airplane that's going down, grab a parachute for yourself and jump, and that yep. is the right call, right? And so, that's 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 I think yeah. always put that on the table. Like I, I love the phrase uh, to say to people, you always have options. And when I say that, what I mean is one of those options is you jump, you pull the chute, yep. and you go. And and that that needs to happen. What I want to do with this episode, to to me, the I'm just going to spoiler alert: you need to you need to bail on this. This is a, this is. A, <laughs> <laughs> this is a train wreck coming down the track. You need to bail. Uh, but, but what I want to do with this episode is talk about why I'm making that call. Right? It's yeah. like, and I think that that's what most people struggle with is no job is perfect. Right? Every there's always things that you don't like in the, in the most wonderful job you've ever had, there are parts that you don't like. And I think that's important to remember and realize you are never going to have the perfect job because it doesn't exist. It just, there's always something. There's always something. Um, how do you know when there's enough somethings that you say, this is not worth working on. Uh, it's time for me to pick up my tent and and head on down the road and start over in a different you know in a different campsite. And so that's yeah. a that's a metaphor that you don't hear a whole lot um that's uh that is uh that is a saying that originated uh today it's today years old um pick up your tent and head to another campsite. So, yeah, you're not going to find that in any books of southern uh you know expressions that's that's a hundred percent handy. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I love it. I, so, so before we get into the thing that are glaring signs, yeah, that this person needs to pick up their tent and move to another campsite. The one thing that I will say, because you and I are both eternal optimist is I would, I would encourage this person to take a step back and see Is this a one person problem or is this a multiple person problem? If Mm -hmm. the answer is that this is multiple people, it's a practice owner and a practice manager or a management team or corporate situation where all of the horrible environment that this person described is coming from multiple people, then 100% when I read this, I was like, okay, the answer is, you know, this, this person just needs a new job. Um, but if it's a one person issue, if there is a toxic person, and otherwise, um, and that person is probably the person who is in control, um, the question for me becomes is it a toxic person that you can change or do something about? Because sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes you have a manager who is super toxic, but you have a practice owner who is, uh, you know, with enough encouragement and support willing to come out of their non-confrontational, uh, show and deal with a situation like that. Like sometimes there is a little tiny pinprick of light at the end of the tunnel. And so I, I, you know, if this is truly a passion, um, and, you know, bless this person's heart, because I couldn't do the work that they're doing. But I do believe that it is an incredible passion. And I am so thankful for my colleagues who are doing the work that they are doing. Um, And so I, I would, if that, if that's the case, if that's you, the question for me is, is this a one person thing? Or is this everybody, but if it's everybody, if it's a multi person problem, then I think the answer is, need another job. And we're going to talk about why, but I do think that there could be some tiny little pinprick of light at the end of the tunnel. And if that's the case, we have, um, have several podcasts, um, that we have done where we have talked about, how do you, how do you identify that light at the end of the tunnel? And how do you, how do you try and address some of the toxicity, some of the, um, you know, pros and cons and figuring out how to tackle that problem in and of itself. And that's, not what we're going to talk about today because we've already talked about it, but um, I think that that is a valid point and I would feel bad as the eternal optimist if we didn't say that it might be a case of one toxic person and in which case I would say there might be some hope. Maybe not, but there might be. <clears throat>
0: yeah. I, for, this, for the level of toxicity you're talking about, even if it's one person, and I hear what you're saying, uh, there is more chance of pulling it out because that one person could go away, right. and that would be your window. But right. let I want to be clear here too, and say that's your only window. Right. You know, when, and and we know this from research on on bullies in um in organizations. Yeah. If the bully and generally they don't leave on their own because they have a they have a, uh, they've got a, I don't even know how to say it. I guess they they've got a ter- they got a turf. They've got a they've got a spot. They've set up and they have the power, and they're doing things that they want to do. And the bully doesn't tend to move on, you know, if they're getting what they want. And um, the research is pretty clear. The only really about the only way you're going to deal with a bully once they've settled into that behavior is termination. So uh, you can you can. Hedge your, You can put your money on this person getting fired and be there to turn around, but that's really the only scenario where this goes well for you. And <clears throat> if you don't have any reason to think that that's going to happen, then to me, you know, w- we go right back to if this person's well entrenched and you don't see them going anywhere, uh, it looks like slim odds that your life is going to get better, you know? Yep. So, all right, so let me, let me, I'm going to put some things on the table here and and tell me what you think and and what you, what you sort of believe. When I start to look at scenarios that are not going well, like this, uh, I have some accounting that I do. And I think that the, uh, I think a lot of people struggle with. Accounting in these situations. Is the grass just greener on the other side? What if I leave and the place that I go is worse? What if I, right. when I leave, life is going to be worse for these other people and I will be abandoning them to this terrible fate? And it's, and essentially at that point, people slip into a martyr mindset. You know what I mean? Like I am throwing, I am shielding the others with my body. To protect them, I am giving my happiness and the best years of my life away to shield these other people. And that's uh, some of the thoughts that people have. Let me... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at the same time the people that you're shielding are like you know i don't really care that much i mean i can just leave and get another job it's not a big deal <laughs> you know but you're like i will save you and they're like look i've worked here 3 months uh there's a great market for technicians and assistants right now uh if this doesn't work i can just go somewhere i liked it at the uh, i liked it at the um dunkin donuts i was working at and i'll just go back you know like they like it's amazing we tell these stories of like Of 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 what people need, and it's like they're like it's not that big a deal. All right, put put that put that aside. Here we go. (laughs) Things to put on the table. You can't change people who don't want to change. Period. Yeah. Do you agree?
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. If 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 management does not see a problem with this, and that's that was one of the things that spoke to me in this thing is the turnover is atrocious. And this is brought to their attention and they don't respond. And I don't know that that's maybe the perception of, of our writer. Maybe, maybe it's not. I don't know. It looks to me by reading this that there does not seem to be any desire to change in leadership. And yep. you are not going to change people who do not want to change. And that is a misconception that we all need to, uh, to grab a hold of and hold on to because it's just true. And the number of people out there who are trying to change, uh, bosses that do not want to change is, is sad because you're not going to do it right. You can't change people who don't want to change. Right. The other thing that I would say that get our heads around and I think this is something that the management doesn't seem to see here. Two things can be true at the same time. You can work for someone who has deep beliefs about, uh, the value of pets and this and how sacred, the animal life is, and who works so hard and works all the time to, uh, to help pets and to support the community and to keep this resource alive and to minimize the suffering, suffering of animals. And at the same time, they can be a monster Mm -hmm. for their staff. Mm -hmm. They can be the most toxic boss that you have ever seen. Mm -hmm. Two things can be true at the same time. They may seem to be contradictory, but they're not, right? Yep. And you see this all the time, and I don't want to get into a dark place here, but come on, you don't have to think too hard to come up with an example of people who have been wonderful in some contexts and horrible in others, right? Like, these people have done wonderful things in the world and at the same time, they are a monster, you know, and and I don't want to get into examples, but you, I mean, you, you guys, it, you, we all, know, <laughs> we all, we all know. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't want to comp- And I don't want to compare, compare a boss, at a, you know, to someone who's truly a monster, but people are complicated and they're not simple. Right. You know what I mean? Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And
0: so I think a lot of people wrestle with that and they go, My boss works tirelessly and he's at the shelter all the time or he's at the clinic all the time and he does all these works and, and no one cares more for pets than he does. Why am I so miserable? And it's like people can be wonderful in one way and terrible in another.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, I think that it's important to recognize the truth in that and to say that, um, I've actually, I've been in that position working in that clinic where I had a boss who, um, was wonderful with patients and wonderful with clients. Clients loved this Mm -hmm. person and they were always there. They did all the things they were beloved, um, in the community with our own client base. They were a monster for the team. I all all of the things that, um, if you I'm sure have heard stories of, but um, throwing instruments, yelling at the team, people in tears in the middle of their shift, um, you know, all of those kind of things that really are absolutely a hundred percent inexcusable and unacceptable in the workplace happen. And it is, and it is totally true that those two things can happen concurrently and it is not okay. Right. And I think in veterinary medicine, we have told ourselves for a really, really long time that as long as the pets are getting taken care of, and as long as the clients are getting taken care of, that it is okay.
0: Preach Stephanie Dawes. So true. It is
1: time for us to break the silence and break the stigma that we have to accept that because that's bullshit. It's total bullshit. And, and it is unacceptable and it is inexcusable and it needs to stop. And I think when I read this, that, that resonated so much with me having worked in that kind of environment who in any other field, who would think for one second that it would be okay that you could go into your, you know, cubicle job, or you could go, work behind, um, the bar at Starbucks and have a boss throw a cup at your head or, you know, scream at you in front of a client that would be inexcusable, inexcusable. but then we tolerate it because that person is taking care of the pets or taking care of the clients.
0: Yeah. So I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to push back against you here a, a little bit and say, I disagree that it's uh that we it would be inexcusable. I think in our weird society we actually celebrate those people. I mean that's that's what I think. So look at Steve Jobs at Apple and everyone was like he's a genius. He's uh, he created these incredible things. He was awful to the people mm-hmm. that worked for him. I mean mm-hmm. by all accounts he's Horrible. And people hold Steve Jobs up as this, you know, uh, thing to uh, this person to be a aspi- to aspire sure. to be like it was like, honestly, he was a monster to work for. And we celebrate him because of his professional success. Mm-hmm. And because we like his phones, and his <laughs> laptops, you know, and, and honestly, I mean, I think this is one of those things that is just messed up in 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 our society is um you know i i i think that i think that outside of vet medicine people celebrate this and go oh she is so she is doing such great things um i must be i must be the problem or um and it's either she's a saint or a monster and the truth is steve jobs was brilliant and he was very gifted and talented. and he did wonderful things for our society in a lot of ways. And he was a bona fide jerk and mm-hmm. not someone that I would ever work for. you mm-hmm. know? um, and those and again two things that seem contradictory can absolutely be true at the same time. And mm-hmm. so and but but to your point I think that this is how it happens in vet medicine and so we're not so impressed with people's money they make
1: but right. we are
0: impressed in patient care and what they give to the animals and so we go Definitely. oh this person is doing so much and the clients love her so much and the community loves her so much i must be not strong enough to be here or something weird like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so um, I, I just, I just think that's true. And I think that's important for people to hear. You can work for a, an amazing person who's amazing at so many things, but leading a team and being a boss is not one of them. And it is totally, it is totally fine for you to leave a job. And I think the mark of maturity is being able to say, Oh, Dr. Smith? Oh, yeah. You know, she does wonderful things for the community. I've personally found her difficult to work for, but she does work harder than anyone I've ever met. And I, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I would not go back and work for her again. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, she she has accomplished amazing things. Mm-hmm. And like, I, that is, that is a high mark of maturity to be able to say things like that and to balance mm-hmm. those two things in our mind. So, I understand why this person is struggling and saying, Oh my gosh, this is a shelter. We have this uh, mission, this purpose. Uh, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's a nightmare. Yeah. I, I don't find that. I don't find that hard to believe. And the other thing is I would say is oftentimes I think leaders get their heads screwed up because they get so much positive reinforcement from clients. And, you know, from the success of their business, they go, bam, I'm making money, the clients love me, I'm crushing it, and these technicians need to stop whining.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I would say, ah, my friend, mm-hmm. two things can be true at the same time. You can be professionally successful and make clients happy and be failing your people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And those things can absolutely exist at the same time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so anyway, I, that's that's just one of the things that that I think is, is important to put out uh, as we talk about this. You can't change people who don't want to change. Two yep. things can be true at the same time.
1: Yep, I totally, I totally agree with that. All
0: right. So where do we go from here if we are <laughs> the the writers? Uh, let's get in. Let's do some accounting. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, things for me. I um, I want to try to remove emotion from these decisions as much as I can. Right. Sure. I am not. I, I do not want to be an emotional decision maker. I think it's good to feel our emotions, think about what our emotions mean, and then logically process that information. Oh, this is how I feel, or this is how I'm being affected. Now let's mm-hmm. step back. Knowing that I feel this way, let's get pragmatic and figure out what we're going to do. And so we have felt the pain and we have felt the frustration. Now I want to try to remove emotion from this and make a good, logical critical decision all right let's yeah. run the pros and cons the first thing right if you're uh if you're a writer what are the pros of staying and what are the cons of staying the cons seem like a laundry list to me including <laughs> regular <you know, laughs> handing out disrespect like candy was yeah. uh, it's an interesting phrase you know <laughs> what in the heck are the pros you say well i love working with animals and it's meaningful work or i love working in shelters go, great those are the pros could I achieve those pros somewhere else? The answer is yes. The only pro based on this letter that I can see that you won't accomplish someone else is the ability to use my body and emotions as a human shield to shield (laughs) other people. And if that's really what floats your boat, then you should probably stay where you are. Uh, Because if you go somewhere else, you probably won't have to do that or hopefully won't have to do that. And again, I think this comes from a good place. I think it comes from loyalty. I caution people about getting your self identity wrapped up in a martyr of who am I, what makes me valuable. I am a good person. I am valuable because I absorb abuse and try to cushion other people as they're being abused. I don't think that's the self identity you want to have. And I go back to it, and I hope I didn't, uh, I didn't. I hope I didn't come off as uncaring when I said it at the beginning about people being like, I don't really care that much. They've got a huge turnover people are leaving. You're the one that's staying and taking Mm -hmm. abuse on and on and on. Do you know what happened to the people who left after they came for three months? They didn't die. They didn't Mm -hmm. suffer. They Mm -hmm. went and they got another job that they liked better.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's hard. It's a hard one because, uh, for me on a, on a super personal level, but I would agree a hundred percent that this kind of this kind of work environment having, having been there um, is very much uh, like being in an abusive relationship also having been there. And I, and I don't say that lightly. And it, it is really true that there are a lot of scary parts about leaving. And mm-hmm. um, I, I have answered that question um, more than once in talking with people about this kind of work environment. And the reality is, yes, is it scary? You don't know what's going to come next. You don't know where you're necessarily going to go. How are you going to afford to live? All of those questions are valid questions, but it doesn't take away the fundamental truth. That is you, when you are in an abusive relationship and in this case, in an abusive work environment, you have the ability to stop it by removing yourself. That's what you're in control of. And so if you choose to say you are choosing, um, you are choosing all of the things that go along with it. And so, um, when I chose to leave my clinic where this was the case, it was the first time ever in my entire life that I didn't have a plan. I didn't have another job I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet. Um, and all of those things were incredibly scary to me because mm-hmm. I had been taught my entire life. You work really hard. You do a good job. You never quit. You never quit a job without another job or a backup plan. Like I was going against everything that I had been taught and, and learned um, in terms of being a good employee. And yet I knew that the only way I was going to be able to control the situation was to to choose to walk away. And so I think that it is really important um, to address the fact that there are are psychological effects um, that are deep reaching in terms of working in a toxic work environment. And um, it's okay to be afraid and to be scared and to say, I don't know what's going to come what's going to come next. And sometimes it takes needing help. Sometimes just like leaving in a, you know, an abusive relationship. Sometimes it takes a catalyst, a person, uh, an event. Sometimes it takes needing to know just what the next step is. What's your next safety, safety net? And it's the same way with a work environment. It could be a coworker saying, Hey, I heard of this other clinic that's hiring, but it could be as simple as, I don't know what I'm going to do next, but I have a little bit of a financial cushion and I'll figure it out. The answer truly is that there are so many places inside veterinary medicine and outside of veterinary medicine where you will be valued and respected and able to earn an honest living. And if that means that you have to leave veterinary medicine temporarily, maybe you work at, at Starbucks mm-hmm. um, to make ends meet, That that's okay. And I think so many of us tie so much emotional um, value to our identity of working in veterinary medicine that we're afraid to leave. And I see it all the time in, um, the veterinary groups that I am a part of where people are like, this is, they're describing this kind of environment a little bit better, a little bit worse sometimes, but this kind of toxic cesspool. And to me, it's just like, oh my God, why, why are we, why are we, why are we staying? Why are we not changing? And so, um, I think sometimes it takes getting help. And this is where I encourage people to say, do you do you have um, an employee assistance program? A lot of times in hospitals like this, they're not the kind of environment where they right. do. Yeah. Um, but sometimes yeah. Tr- that, is- <laughs> the,
0: the problem is the most <laughs> toxic practices that would need an employee are the right. most likely to not have one. Yeah
1: right, but but it's um you know it's reaching out and seeing do you have a um you know, do you have a low cost or sliding scale mental health clinic in your community um looking at what your community resources are and getting an unbiased um an unbiased perspective about how do you how do you make this this choice because i i just i don't see. I don't see any way to stay in this situation and have it end well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, I, I, I completely agree. So I think a lot of the mind tricks that are used in abusive relationships to keep people there are probably, uh, unwittingly used in this, in those abusive clinics as well. Uh So I I don't, I just don't want to, I don't want to give the impression that people who are sitting in this toxic situation are um, are, are just acting irrationally. I think no. that there's very real psychological reasons that people oh, sit yeah. in these terrible places, and and you know, so I, I think our point today is to try to jar them a little bit and say, "Oh, I should, I should." I should re- I don't have to do this you know or 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 to maybe encourage them to to make that move you know the the another thing I want I want to put out on the table right as we do this accounting I talk about the pros and the cons what are the benefits of of uh of staying here and what are the, what are the benefits of going what are the downsides of staying here um i i, I do encourage people to think about um to think about squandering resources, right? So I think about um. I've had I've been working with a dog recently that's uh, I'm convinced is Cushingoid. I'm convinced it has Cushing's, and the ACT stem test says it doesn't. I think the ACT stem test is wrong. Um, I it just you know, so one of the things I'm very aware of in with this case is I remember being a young doctor, and I worked up this dog for Cushing's disease, and uh, the blood test, yeah, you know, ACTH stem is not cheap. And um, especially the ongoing monitoring, and you try to get the the medications uh, right, and then you recheck it. And it's two hundred fifty bucks, you know, to send these tests in each mm-hmm. each one to the client, something like that. And um, ultimately, unwittingly, I spent this person's resources on the diagnostics, leaving them in a very tight place to afford the medication, which is not cheap, mm-hmm. and which is long term, like lifelong thereafter. Mm-hmm. And um, I think ultimately it worked out, but it was a lesson for me that I've held on to where I didn't really think about the finite quantity of the resources. And I spent a big chunk right now today getting diagnostics without thinking about the fact that if this was Cushinoid, it would be a lifelong condition that would need to be managed. And that also took resources. Mm-hmm. I, I tell that story because I think a lot of times that's true with us in practice when we have people that are in bad situations and they say, I am going to pour my heart and soul into this, right? But they don't stop and, and realize that your heart and soul is also a finite uh, entity, You do not have endless compassion. You do not have endless emotional energy or depth or resilience, you know? And um, if you burn yourself out right now in the next year, then you are not going to be able to be the, uh, the person who does good in the world through veterinary medicine for the next 29 years after that. And so I say to people all the time, I don't want you to be successful next year. I want you to be successful for as long as you want to be here, right? Mm -hmm. And what I often see in the cases like our writer is that they say, I'm going to shield these other people with my body. I am going to put up with these conditions and they burn out in five years and they quit Mm -hmm. and they're gone and they're out of that medicine. And I would say that's, that's, that's tragedy, you know? I want people to stick around. And so what I would say to, to this person as well is, what's your resource allocation look like, right? Yep. Yeah, you can tough it out now. And you could tough it out next year and maybe the year after that. How long is it until you say, I don't want to do this and I am sick of this and I don't want to work with pets and I don't want to work in vet medicine? Then you mm-hmm. pack up and leave. You can't wait until you burn out. And then try to change vet jobs because you're burned out and you're not going to be your best at the new job and you're not going to like it and you're going to be toast and ultimately you're going to leave the profession. And so I just think it's smart to not focus and fixate exactly on can I keep this up right now? It's a thought of how, how how's the rest of my career going to be, you know? And so think about your resource allocation is, uh, is the other part. And the last part is the thing I, you know, I always come back to, it's the old Buddhist belief that life is suffering and life is hard and there is no perfect job. And the best thing that we can choose in this life is that we choose how we struggle because we will always struggle. Right. Mm -hmm. And so how do you want to struggle? Do you want to struggle here in this toxic place where people are, are handing out disrespect like candy (laughs) And the turnover is huge. And you're always working with unskilled people who are not going to stick around because they're going to be smarter than you and they're going to wise up and they're going to leave, you know, right? Um, or do you want to suffer by finding a new job and going to a new place that you don't know if it'll be good or bad. Right. Right. So would you choose this hell or uh, choose an experience where you don't, you don't know what's going to happen. So how do you want to suffer? And don't think that, um, you don't think that you won't have the opportunities to do good elsewhere in a different way than you're doing them here. You will get a chance to do good, so don't let that hold you back. But um, I, I like to say that to, to people is just life is always hard. And it's always going to be a struggle. Choose how you want to suffer. The way that she describes her day and environment here, nope. I, yep. That's not how <laughs> I'm going to suffer. I, I mean, honestly, I would rather, yeah. I'd rather. I mean, honestly, I I'd rather go work at Starbucks. Uh, And that's not slamming on Starbucks. I just, I don't know anything. I, 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 I I drink coffee uh, just from the coffee maker at home. I know nothing (laughs) about (laughs) give me that over being crapped on in a vet clinic. And I love being a vet and I love that medicine. I'd go to Starbucks, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 I, I think that, that, that is so true. And I think the fear of the unknown is so great for so many of us that, um, that really, that how, how do we want to suffer is a hard question for a lot of us to wrap our minds around. But I, I do think that your point is such a good one, Andy, because I think if we don't take a step back and look at the choice that we're making and let there be no mistake about it, if you choose to remain in this environment, you are making a choice. Yes, things are happening to you, but you are choosing to accept it. And so I think I think that, that that is something that holds a lot of us in place when it comes to the fear of the unknown, but I'm still making a choice. And at the end of the day, am I going to be of any use to anybody 10 years down the road if I am burnt out and barely making ends meet, and feeling like I'm in a crappy, dead end situation. I'm not. Yeah. And so I think that's that's um really, for me when I read this was like okay i I see a person who is passionate about what they're doing. They are providing a service to clients who need to be served in a way that that is so desperately needed and that belief and that passion and excitement are not going to last a fraction as long as they could in a work environment where they felt valued and supported and felt like the whole team was working towards that mission and that good and that aim and so I guess that's for me it's really so many, I see so many colleagues who have such a narrow tunnel vision of like, I can only do this thing that I'm doing in the place that I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. that's such a lie that we tell ourselves because yep. we're afraid of the unknown. The reality is, there are a crap ton of clinics out there and there's opportunity everywhere. And yep. it may not be five minutes from your house, it may not be, um, you know, in the location you want. It may not be the, um, you know, the job you want, but it, it is inarguably significantly better than choosing to live in a toxic dumpster fire, yep. really.
0: Yep, <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. Well, that's, that's all Like, I hope that's helpful to people out there who are um trying to decide what they're going to do. And uh, it's, I think it's good for us to give them uh, an example of a situation that I think crosses the line. Where I go, I'm not. I'm not going to try to save this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, you know, if if our writer has uh, said something and addressed the issue, then I feel like she's done everything I- and been ignored, which it sounds like is, is the case. I feel like she's done everything that a reasonable reasonable person would expect her to do, and now it's time for her to grab the chute and head for the door because this flaming plane is going down.
1: And, and I will share from my own experience. Um, so I, I fought for about a year with myself before I made the decision that I can't, I can't fix this, this flaming toxic dumpster fire. And I left that practice and it was the first time, like I said, the first time in my entire life, I didn't have a, I didn't have another job. I didn't have a plan, but I got to the point where it, I felt like this is literally and figuratively killing me inside. Mm. And so I walked away and I uh, spent about six months without a job. Um, And then I went, I went back to work um, for a few months in a job that had nothing to do with veterinary medicine. Um, And ultimately after a short period of time in another job, a job opened up at my practice uh, that was the practice where I learned so much about how to be a manager, how to, where I learned how to be a practice owner, where I worked with practice owners who believed in me and um, supported me. And it was an amazing opportunity. And I don't I don't know that I would have had that same opportunity if I hadn't have made the choice to leave. Yeah. And so you uh, know, no
0: doubt, no doubt.
1: It's, it's super scary to think about going out on a limb. And it was, it was, I, I had to make meet, And so I worked in a job that had nothing to do with veterinary medicine for a while, but in the end, it was one of the best choices that I ever could have made. And and I talk about it now, and I've I've t- I've told stories about, um, you know, the crazy, insane experiences at that clinic, and at the same time, I don't regret it because I learned so much about what I don't want, how I don't mm-hmm. want to run a practice, what I, how I don't want to treat people, what I don't want my team members to feel, and there was invaluable lessons there, and so I wouldn't change that, but I also am damn happy that I made the decision to go out on a limb and walk away because yep. I would have, I would have burnt out. I would have, um, I, there would have not been a happy ending if I had stayed where I was. Yeah. So, I, you know, and I think that it's, it's just huge, big, scary, but you can, you can do it. And sometimes, um, going out on that limb leads to doors opening, um, yep. in the most positive of ways. Oh, sure. I think that's a great point in that
0: opportunities don't walk into toxic dumps. Right. And a lot of times if you're in a really bad place, your yeah. chances of, of having an opportunity to do something great are, are minimized compared to if you've yeah. gone somewhere else. And you know, like, yeah, I, I think, I just think that that's a great point of, even if you don't leave and go directly to something that's great, just getting out of there and not swimming in talk tox- toxicity. Sometimes you just need to, purge like detox for a Mm -hmm. while and then you get your head clear and you get your head straight and you go you know what i'd really like to do this is and you start feeling like you get some confidence back because people aren't Mm -hmm. tearing you down and uh and and the next place you go after the first place you go after leaving the toxic place is is the dream and so uh, yeah i I think that's that's just amazing point I do think that you're right. Sometimes people get paralyzed and go, well, I don't see the perfect thing for me. So I'm going to stay here in this toxic place. I go, no, Mm -mm. go take the neutral thing, get, get out of toxic and go to just fine. And then when you detox for a while and you get your head straight and you get your confidence back, then you may see those opportunities that you never would have had when you were floating in the, in the toxic swamp. So anyway, all right. Thanks for doing this with me, Steph. Yeah.
1: Hopefully
0: it was helpful. <laughs> uh, I, well, I think it was good. We have not had this conversation before. And so I'm glad yeah. we did. So anyway, yeah. take care of yourself, my friend. Take care of everybody.
1: Have a good
0: weeks guys. See you gang. And that's our episode guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. As always, if you've got something you're wrestling with, Send me an email. It's podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And Stephanie and out will take our best crack at it. Guys, take care. Be well. Hope to see you in two weeks at GSD.
1: Bye.